Praise God. If that was you that that, that word really spoke to uh, a minute ago about vision and all, the, the verse for that is Psalms 107.28. You might want to write that down and keep looking at it. Psalms 107 verse 28 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, and he guides them to their desired havens. Amen? Amen. Okay, so praise God. Couldn't read that scripture a while ago. Didn't have my glasses with me. All right, so praise God. How many of y'all worked on your shout this week? Got a couple. Bless God. Well, we're going back into it this morning. We're going to keep working. I want to push you till y'all are the craziest shouting radicals that there ever were on the face of the earth. And you're not just shouting because you're crazy. Hello, did you hear what I said? You're not just shouting because you're crazy, but you're shouting because you know there's a shout of the king in your camp. Man, if you know God's with you, it should put a skip in your step, a shout in your voice. Amen? And so I started this, and I don't want to go back and do a whole bunch of review. So you need to go back and listen to last week's message to get it all. But we started Numbers 23, 21 of the story of Balak and Balaam. And Balaam said that he could not curse the children of Israel because there was a shout of a king among them. Okay? And so it's just... It's just really, folks, you know, I, 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 you don't know how I have to get psyched up to come up here and preach. I love to preach. I know that the word of God is true. I love to operate in the gift God gave me and preach. But, you know, I'm also realized that I'm just like Jesus. Jesus did a lot of preaching and not everybody believed him. Matter of fact, at the end, everybody forsook him. Right? They came back around, but at the end, everybody left him. And so a lot of times I know that I'm just like any coach, doctor, whatever. I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you the words of life. I know this will change your life. I know this will set you free. But if you don't apply it, it ain't going to work. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish God had the magic pixie dust that I just threw on you. Or the holy water. Holy water would be fun. Throw splash water all on you. Get a squirt gun. Shoot you with water. You just, and then you got it. And then you just went out. And then you were just a saintly person. Never had a problem after that. You know, if anything did come, oh, pastor, I need another squirt. Oh, man. That would be so cool, so fun. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus called us. It says, how blessed. And how happy are the feet of those who bring the good news? He said, we're going we're gonna to win by preaching. So I'm going to preach to you this morning. You're going to have to receive it. You're going to have to take notes. You're going to have to write it. You're going to have to chew on it. You're going to have to be like that cow chewing on its cud and get the, the, the life of it, the, the source of it into you because that's what then is going to change you when your faith connects with the power of God. Amen? So... I don't want to review all of that, but we're talking about having a shout of the king in your camp. If you have a shout of the king in your camp, it's going to make all the difference in the world. The devil's going to look up and say, I don't want to go over there because they're, they're, they're shouting and praising God and they're hallelujah. And, and, and it's not just radical, being a radical Pentecostal. It's not just, getting, no, it's your life. It's your stance. Hello? If you even go look at self-defense classes, you go take a self-defense class, 
I don't care what it is. I don't care what they're trying to teach. You take a self-defense class. The first thing they talk about is that criminals look for those who seem vulnerable. Nobody, no thief is going to look over and say, there's a big old boy, big old boy, boy. He looks like he might have some money on him. They're not going to go tackle him. They're not going to tackle somebody that's aware of their surroundings, aware of their situations, and aware of what's going on. They're going to pick on the weak. Wolves always pick on the weak. They don't go to the lead caribou. They go to the ones in the back. Hello? And so I'm trying to teach you how to have a shadow of a king in your camp. So when the devil's flying around everywhere, he's going to come over your house and say, oh, we don't want to go there. All right. So the first thing I told you about obtaining a shout to getting that shout on the inside of you is you have to be what I call the 11th commandment. Because I say there's not 10, but there's 11, but that's just me, okay? You know, you, you can stick with 10 if you want to feel secure, but I say there's 11. I say the 11th one was, is that, that we're not willing to bow our knee. He said, don't bow your knee to any other gods, right? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean statues. Hello? That doesn't necessarily mean a statue. That means bowing your knee to fear. Bowing your knee to intimidation. Bowing your knee to, to whatever it be. The status quo. Are y'all with me? You know, I, 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 love, I love wild stories. And I, I've told this story in here before. And uh, in my life, I've gotten to see some great things. I've gotten to see miracles. I've gotten to see blind eyes open. I've gotten to see deaf ears open. I've gotten to see legs grow. I have seen, you're not ever going to tell me that God doesn't heal. But all of it was in the foreign field. All of it was in foreign places. All of it was in the backwoods of nowhere that nobody knew, that nobody would report, that, that it was in the places where people were desperate. They either got healed or they died. Uh, it was in places where people had faith like I've never seen faith. Okay? And I'm telling you, God does do miracles. And I'm telling you, God will do any miracle in your life. But if you have this place of compromise in your life, your faith is going to be unstable. And you have to have an attitude in life that you're not bowing your knee to anything but Jesus Christ. Okay? And so I, I shared this one, I think. Uh, I covered it pretty good last week. So I want to go to the second point. So get your Bibles out and go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Ephesians 4, 27. I'm going to give you the second point about developing a shout of a king in the camp. Developing the shout of a king in the camp. Ephesians 4.27, real simple one. And forgive us today, our camera went down, so we only have one. So a while ago when we were doing praise and worship, I kept wondering why y'all were all looking in my direction. I kept looking down, seeing my pants were zipped or whatever. And I was like, in the world, why is everybody looking this way? And then I realized we only had one camera. So I said, oh, okay, praise God. So Ephesians 4.27 says this, Give no place to the devil. Now, listen to me here. Oh, y'all are going to like this in this morning. So now turn. That's the only scripture I got there. That's the only one I'll read. Give no place. Everybody say, give no place to the devil. That's what Ephesians 4.27 says. Give no place. Don't give him a place. All right? Now go to 1 Samuel 17.40. It's a story of David and Goliath. I'm not going to get into the story because I love the story. I just preach a whole other message if I... Read any of it. So I just got one verse for you out of there. But in 1 in, in, in Samuel 17, it's a story where David comes to defeat or, or the, the battle of Goliath. Okay? 
And so let me just set that, let me just set it. You can go read it all in there, but let me just set the story. You know, David, his father tells him to go take some food out to his brothers who were at the battle. And apparently in those days, the Philistines are on one side of the valley, the Israelites on the other side of the valley. Every day, Goliath would come out. Every day, Goliath would shout. He'd say, listen to me, send somebody over. Come on over here. If he kills me, y'all will just win. If, if I kill him, we win. Y'all serve us or we'll serve you, but come on. But the problem was Goliath, you know, it depends on your figures of what you want to, how you want to uh, determine his size. But the dude was somewhere between nine or 12 foot tall. He is big. He's huge. Let's just give him nine this morning. Let's just say he was nine. Let's take the short end of what they say he was. He was nine foot tall. He had this giant spear, giant. Everything was giant. Hello? And so he comes out. So, I mean, obviously he feels pretty confident he's going to win. And then all of Israel looking across at the giant looks at him and says, that dude is huge. I might could chew around his ankles like a chihuahua, but the guy is huge. How am I gonna? And the sheer size of him intimidated all of Israel, right? Well, he was doing this every day, every day, every day, every day for 30 days. He came down, walked down there, trudged in there, boom, 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 set up, hollered at him, right? David happened to be there that day, and he heard the giant. He said to his brothers, what's going on? They said, oh, this big dude's coming down here all the time, telling us he's going to, if anybody could fight him. And if they, the king even prodded him along and said, anybody wants to fight him, man, we'll, we'll, we'll save you and, and, and he can marry my daughter and we'll give you riches and no taxes or anything like that. And David said, well, well who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Come down here and talk trash like this. In other words, he wasn't in covenant. He wasn't a covenant God. David's looking at, his relationship with his heavenly father, you know, and the story goes on. He says, and, you know, and, and he tells Saul, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. So what's this uncircumcised Philistine? What is he? I mean, if I kill a, if I, I mean, folks, can y'all imagine how hard it would be to kill a lion or a bear? He says he got the, the, the lion by his beard. That's pretty close. It ain't like getting a shot at him at 300 yards, standing still. I mean, we're talking up close and personal, right? And so then the king says, go do it. You know, and he, if you read the stuff, he tries to give him his armor. He said, nah, 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 this stuff, I can't wear your armor. I got to take my own armor. So all he has as a shepherd boy is a sling. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have ever tried to actually work a sling. When I was a kid, whoo, man, I got into trying to work a sling. And I want to tell you something. You can hit yourself in the back of the head. You can do some damage to yourself if you don't get that baby right. But if you get it right, boy, you can sling a rock, right? Okay, so David was confident with his weapon. So we get to verse 40. I'm in 1 Samuel 17, 40. He's going down now to meet Goliath, and it says he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Everybody say five stones. From the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch in which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Now, here's David. He's getting ready to cross. He goes across the brook. He looks down there and says, Oh, man, got some good rocks there. There's some good slinging rocks. You know, because you can't, if you've ever tried to, to, to work a sling, you need a certain kind of rock, right? And, and the, the more 
symmetrical the shape is, the better it'll sling, all right? So David, he says, gets him five smooth stones. They don't have any jagged edges, nothing like that. He gets five smooth stones. Now, some preachers have said that the five smooth stones represent the five-fold ministry gifts, and they've gone off into a deal like this. I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know is according to you, you can write this down, you don't have to go look at it, 2 Samuel 21, 22 tells us that there were four born to the giant in Gath who fell by the hand of David and the hand of his servants. I know that Goliath had four brothers. So I do not know, just think about this, think about this. You all know this, I, I won't call names, but you know, like around, if you grew up in this area, you know, you know who the brothers are. You may know them in your town. Who are the fighting brothers, right? And you know if you have to deal with one, you're going to have to deal with another one. Hello? I don't know because it could have been David was alive. I mean, he's, he's, he's a young boy. People could have sat around the coffee table in their hometown and talked about the four brothers, the five brothers, really, saying the five brothers from Gath, the giants that were really rough and don't want to mess with them. He could have heard that. He could have known, is what I'm trying to say, that Goliath had four brothers, or it could have been prophetic. Spirit of God, because he was already on him, Samuel had already anointing him. He could have just prophetically knew that he needed to pick up five stones, or he could have known the brothers. I'm just going to say... He knew them. And the reason why is, if you go look at a map of Israel, even today, have y'all ever looked and just studied the map of Israel and just kind of looked at it? You know, when they're talking about things are going on in Damascus and all this, you know, and all, folks, we're talking, it's literally a rock throw from one another around there. I mean, we're so used to in Texas driving, you know, miles and miles and miles, right? And we're talking about, you know, when they say there's trouble going on over here, we're talking about like distance between here to San Antonio that we drive to just to go get groceries, right? It's a small place. And I'm thinking, if I'm wrong, we get to heaven. You can tell me, you can tell Jesus, you know, take a point away from me because I told y'all wrong. But I'm thinking David knew. Can't prove it, but I'm thinking he knew. And I'm thinking he knew when he looked out there that day and he looked out and he saw Goliath, he said, hey, dude's got four brothers. Better get five. Put them in his bag. Because he knew he was going to kill them. All right? David knew that he had to kill them all. So the third point here, the third point here is simply this. You're not going to give place to the devil because you're not going to leave anything in your heart. If you want to walk with a shout of the king in your camp, listen to me, you got to kill them all. There can't be any skeletons in your closet. You can't go to the Lord in prayer and be praying and, 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 and the Holy Ghost keeps bringing up something in your heart. You know, so-and-so, you need to forgive them. And you're like, I ain't forgiving that story sucker. Well, I'll tell you what, he did me wrong and I ain't going to, I ain't giving, I ain't going, no, 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 no. Because what happens then is you got a brother that the devil is going to use to come back into your life and undermine your faith and everything you're doing. If you don't get your heart clean, you don't get your heart 
prepared. You don't get your heart right where it needs to be with God. And you've got some kind of an offense in there. You've got something in your skeleton, in your closet or in your heart. I want to tell you something. What's going to happen to you is you're always going to be undermined. And the shadow of a king's not going to be in your camp. Or your shadow of the king may be, help! Not, woohoo, God's in the camp. Hello? Now, I know this is a little bit of a heated message, a little bit of, you know, kind of make you want to curl your toes up in your shoes and like, oh, pastor, go to another point. I just want to be happy today. But I'm trying to make you happy. Proverbs 16.1 says, the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answers of the lip are from the Lord. It's your job to prepare your heart. God's not going to do it. I can't do it. Your husband can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Your kids can't do it. Your parents can't do it. Only you can deal with your heart. The preparations of the heart, they belong to you. It's your job to keep your heart. Look at the person beside you and say, man, I love it when he preaches like this. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Because y'all all know this. You all know this. You've come to a point in life. You've come to a place where you're praying for something. You're praying, oh, God you know, heal me or God, I need I really need this job. And then there's a thought that comes up to you. It rises up from your heart or your imaginations or out of your mind and says, why would God give you anything? He knows what you did. And then all of a sudden the faith drains out of your toes. It's all over with. It's all gone. You don't have any faith to believe anything. Now you're over there focused on, oh God, and it's all gone because the devil defeats you. The shadow of the king's gone from your camp because the devil got in there and he worked around and he got you in a place where you knew you were vulnerable. Listen, the devil's not stupid. He knows these things. And he'll use them against you until you get it straight. There's only one way to get it straight. Now, here's where it gets good. Here's where you need to get happy. There's only one way it gets straight is putting it under the blood of Jesus. It's the only way it's going to get straight. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You can try all you want to. You can do all the exercises. You can do all the devotions. You can do all the readings. You can do all the stuff. But the bottom line, until you get it under the blood of Jesus, it's always going to come back to haunt you. Galatians 2 and 20. Galatians 2 and 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. The Apostle Paul was saying that he's a dead man. Apostle Paul said, man, I've been crucified with Christ. I was up on the cross with him. I'm dead with Christ. Until you determine that whatever's in your heart, you're going to want it crucified, nailed to the cross and under the blood of Jesus, it's always going to come back to haunt you. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this life I'm living now, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God. Now listen to me, church. How do I say this? If your faith is not based upon the word of God, if your faith is based upon, that's what your mama believed, that's what your denomination believes, uh, you know, that's what this preacher who you really liked in life, that's what he said. If your faith is not based on you knowing what the word of God says, then your faith has no base to it. You see, I may not understand everything this Bible says. 
Hello? I, I, I can tell you, I don't understand everything. But when you read it and you get to know it, you, you, you find the nature of God. You start to see why, not, why God moves like he does because it's his nature. God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament like he you know, went through a midlife crisis and then now he's acting different. Hello? Prodigal son story, right? The father sees the son coming down the road. He jumps off the porch, runs down, kisses him, grabs him, tells him all the son's trying to repent. He's saying, put on the best robe. That's an illustration to us of a life that's died in Christ, crucified with Christ and living under the blood. That's an example of the nature of God, of how he expects us to act. But, but if you're always going around saying, oh, God, I, I don't deserve this robe. Put it, you know, Lord, I don't, under, I don't really deserve that robe. I don't, this ring, I can't go do anything. Just let the other brother have it. I just want to be a servant. I just want to be one of the poor guys in the house. Well, then you're sabotaging yourself. You're not doing what the word of God says. You've allowed the devil to come in and rattle your closet because you got some skeletons in there because you don't think you're worthy. And I want to tell you something, in our flesh, we're not. Folks, listen, don't get mad at me. Don't walk out. Doors are locked anyway. You can't get out. But I'm telling you, we human beings, we're stupid. And if you want to think you're so smart, well, then that's your pitfall. You think you're smart. There's a difference between being humble and knowing you have to have the blood of Jesus on your life. Or having a mindset that you're not worthy. See, that ain't humble. That's the devil going in there and twisting things around and saying, who are you? We're all made out of dirt. Ain't one of y'all got angel's wings. You all made out of dirt. Me too. It's good. Okay, but you've got to get... You've got to make the preparations of your heart right. You've got to get that stuff out, and you've got to hang on to what the Word of God says. Romans 6, 11, another scripture. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Reckon, that word reckon is an accounting term. It means you reconciled your bank, and that it is what it is. That's all you got in your account, one way or the other. You reconcile the books, they all balanced out, accounts are paid, here it is, boom, that's it. It's been reconciled. Well, you have to die to Christ so that the account can be reconciled, which takes me to the third point, okay? That was number two, give no place to the devil. Number three is simply this. You've got to live a life under the blood of Jesus, and I want to explain that, Okay? You've got to live a life that's going to bring glory to God, and the only way you're going to bring glory to God is you have to live a life under the blood. Under the blood. Everybody say under the blood. Go to Hebrews 12, 24. I want you to see this scripture. Hebrews 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Okay. Now jump over to uh, Genesis, very first, Genesis 4.10. Genesis 4.10. Genesis 4.10 says, and he said, this is the, when Cain killed Abel, and God's talking to him, and God says, and he says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Folks, I want you to understand something. Biblically speaking, blood speaks. 
The blood of Abel cried out from the ground. It says that Jesus has a better covenant under better promises and that his blood speaks. Hebrews 12, 24. Right? Blood speaks. The blood of Jesus says something. There was a time when, when in, in one of the rituals that they did in Israel, when uh, Moses went up and he, and he was read the law, and everybody said they're going to take the law, and then he took a hyssop bush, which is like, basically kind of like a sage bush, and he dipped it in blood, and then he slung it on everybody. Now, under normal circumstances, if you're slinging blood, you're trying to dodge it, right? If, right, you don't want to get blood on you. Blood stains, right? If you get blood on your clothes, it, you, you got to work to get it out. It stains quickly. Think about this. The death angel passing through Egypt. What did he tell him to do? Go get blood, put it over the doorpost. So how much blood are you going to put? I would love to have seen the scene. You know, somebody just went out there and didn't want to really dirty their doorpost. But the death angel's passing through. Huh? I mean, you're hearing cries and screams of the death angel passing through, and then you're thinking, ooh, should I put a little more blood? Or the person that was like, we ain't taking no chances, and they're out there with a mop, you know. You know, I don't know which one you'd be, but I'm saying blood speaks. When the death angel passed through, he saw the blood. He went on. Why? Because it was saying something. Redeemed. Oh, God, this is good. The death angel. He's killing the firstborn and everyone in, in Egypt. He passes by the death angel. I don't know what he looks like, but I don't want to meet him. Hello? He's passing through. Cries are going out of the land as the firstborn of everything died. Not just the children. Everything, the firstborn, horse, cow, dog, cat, pig, whatever, chicken. They're screaming. Everybody's screaming in the camp of everything in Egypt, all that's going on. And the only thing keeping it from happening to you is blood on the door. The only thing keeping the devil from killing you now is the blood of Jesus over your heart and your life. Folks, I want to tell y'all something. Listen to me. I'm crazy. Okay, I'll just admit it. I'm radical. I'm out there. My face out there. I'm telling you what, if all the Christians in the United States would have risen up all at the same time and would have gotten over the air, you know, well, they're they're just Pentecostals or they're just Baptists or nothing. We'd all got together, raised our arms and said, we ain't going to have no COVID virus in in there. I think the thing would have died out. But everybody not having the blood over the door, everybody not knowing what's going on, everybody not really believing that God going to heal, God going to do that. This is the judge. We got preachers preaching, prophesying. It's the judgment of God on the world. We got the others over there saying, oh, you know, we need to pray. Nobody's in agreement. You know why? Because everybody makes up their own rules. They don't go to the Word and find their rules. They don't go to the Bible and sort their their, their rules out. They all leave it open to the interpretations of man and what he wants to say. They get all weird and goofy and out over everything, and then you know what happens? Nobody knows how to do anything, and so we got no blood nowhere. But this church is not going to be like it. I'm going to teach you how to walk in the blood of Jesus. And it's by faith. And blood speaks. And if the blood of Jesus over like, well, I don't know. That sounds kind of gruesome. I mean, you know, blood, talking about blood. Preachers preaching about blood, blood everywhere. Oh, that just sounds, woo, woo, woo. 
When I was a kid, I don't know how old. I, I, I'm going to guess somewhere between 8 and 10 years old was the very first time uh, I saw the movie Ben-Hur. Y'all remember that old movie? Charlton Heston and all that? And do you remember the crucifixion scene? Do you remember the crucifixion scene? They got Jesus up there. He's crucified on the cross. You know, and this other stuff's going over there with, with uh, Judah Ben-Hur. And his, his, his family's down in the cave with the, got leprosy. Y'all remember all this? Some of y'all just looking at me. You're not moving. I don't know if you did see the movie. You didn't see the movie. You got no idea what I'm talking about. It's a long movie. It's in a long movie, but you ought to go see it. And you ought to go watch it because there's this scene. And I'm like, an, I, and I, I'm saying eight or ten. You know, I don't know when the movie came out. I don't know when we watch it, but I'm just going to guess that. I'm a young boy watching it in the household, and, and I see the blood coming down the cross because they show this scene. The blood comes down the cross, and it starts raining. And Jesus' blood's coming down the cross. And it comes down the cross, and it falls on the ground, and then the rain starts to splatter it, and then it shows the rain going down, and then the rain goes into the cave where the lepers are and everybody gets healed now that's hollywood right but when i saw that as a young boy it did something to me in my heart i always have this imagery of the blood and seeing that movie when i did it did something it put something in me and so so when i'm reading these scriptures and i say man the blood speaks and i'm thinking of moses standing up there the big old hyssop dealing throwing blood how i'd have just been running say come on Hit me, hit me, oh God, I want a big splatter. I don't want just a few dots. Put it on me. Because then I know I'm covered in the blood, and then I know the blood's speaking. And so I'm walking around, everybody say, you got some blood in your face. Oh, praise God. Right? Where we're in a society trying to stay clean all the time, there, that day, you would not want to be covered in blood. Now, of those of you that have ever gutted a deer or something like that, blood's a strange substance. When blood gets on you and blood gets all over your hands, it's got a funny feel to it. It's got a strange, strange, I don't even know how to explain it. You wouldn't know it until you've ever had it. But folks, listen to me. The blood of the son of the living God poured out for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins is not just some spiritual, you know, story, some spiritual thing that's like, it's a, Jesus said, man, to, told Mary and, 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 and in the garden, he said, man, don't touch me. He said, I'm not yet ascended into my, heaven, my father and your father. I've not poured my blood out. What did he do? He took his blood and he went to the true tabernacle in heaven and he poured his blood out over the mercy seat representing all of your sins and my sins. He poured it out and that blood started crying out from the mercy seat of heaven. They are redeemed. They are made right. Accounts have been settled. Anyone who believes in me, they're under the blood. So the devil wants to tear off a piece of me? He's going to tear off a piece of Jesus. Because I'm under the blood. I keep myself under the blood. I want the blood on me all the time. I want to live right there under the blood because I know in my wherewithal, I cannot defeat the enemies in my life. I can't defeat the enemies in my life. I'm not strong enough. Folks, ever since Pastor, uh, Pastor, Dr. Dr. Colonel Brown preached 
He can be pastor too. Dr. Colonel Pastor Brown preached the message about exercise. I have tried to really, 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 really work hard to just walk 30 minutes every day, just a simple 30 minutes every day. He says 30 minutes every day. He told me all the facts that would do, and I'm listening to him. He got no reason to lie to me. And so, you know, I mean, it's not like I pulled out some crazy person. I had him. I know him pretty good. And so I don't think he'd lie to me. He said walking 30 minutes would do all this stuff for me. Then I believe 30 minutes. I can't find it in the Bible where it says, Yea, hey, thus saith the Lord, walk ye 30 minutes every day, and thou shalt be healthier. I can't find that. But I had to believe that the man knows God. He's done enough research. He knows what he's doing. So I have some faith in it, right? But you cannot believe how every day. I mean, we're talking a couple of years I've been doing this. Well, I don't know, however long ago. It's been probably a couple of years. And, and, and how every day I still get up and I go to walk and my body, my mind, my essence tries to argue with me. says, well, you know, you, you cut it short today. I mean, you know, it's kind of windy. Oh, 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 you know, you walk, you've been walking. You know, you need a time off. Well, just go three laps. Don't make the whole four or whatever, you know. 20 minutes is good. I mean, why go 30? Oh, it's only 24. Oh, that's close to 30. It's only six off. Every day argues with me. You know how I defeat it? You know how I beat it? The day my body tells me that, I walk longer. I tell myself, you sorry, no good. Lion, piece of trash. That's the way I talk to myself. I say, you think you're going to cut it short. You just want to go to the house, get in the easy chair, don't you? Oh, you just like to go there and eat potato chips, don't you? And just watch TV. But I tell you what, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to walk because the spirit on the inside of me is stronger than my flesh. And you're going to die. You're going to hurt. I think I'll run. I think I'll jog. I'll see if I can pull a muscle if you mess with me. Well, I'm telling you, church, if you would get your, that away in the spirit and the things that are going on in your life and you would say, man, devil, you want to mess with me? You want a piece of me? I'll pray longer. I'll read more. I'm going to get out there and shout in tongues in the middle of my yard. I'm going to get so crazy. You want some of me? Here I am. Well, then, church, a shout of the king begins to come in the camp. There you go. But if you don't, if you just sit there and try to get all religious-y and just all, eh, you know, I don't know, I, I, I like this other kind of uh, worship. I don't really want to do the radical thing. Well, then you're going to get eaten. You're going to get eaten. The zombies are going to eat you. Have you seen a movie yet where they try to rationalize with the zombies? Now, listen, don't eat me. It's not right. They don't try to rationalize the zombies. You either run or shoot them. Hello? Well, you can't rationalize with the devil. Are your enemies, are those lies on the inside of you, are those things? Why do you want to feel guilty? Why do you want to let guilt be in your life? Why do you want to, 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 to whip yourself? You don't get anything out of penance. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen is in, when Easter comes around, them boys get out them whips and go to flagging this. That don't do no good. Give the doctor some extra money to try to heal your back up. But other than that, you ain't doing nothing. We're not supposed to be looking on the scars on our body to say God loves us. We're supposed to be looking on the scars on his body. Hello? Go to Colossians 1, 19. Colossians 1, 19. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. So God already made a decision 
that he was going to reconcile all things in Jesus, in what he was doing on the cross. Listen to me, folks. I didn't make up the rules. Hello? I didn't write the Bible. I didn't put down uh, uh, the way that God should redeem mankind. He did. He made the rules. All I'm doing is getting in agreement with the rules. You remember the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and, and she wanted her daughter to be healed, so she's grievously vexed of a devil. And Jesus said, you know, I've only been called to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't, don't, don't bother me, lady. You're, you're, not, you're a Gentile. And then she, he, she turns around and she says, oh, yes, Lord, you can do it. And he says, look, you're a dog. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you can go read it. He said, he called her a dog. That's what they call the Gentiles in those days. He called her a dog. Okay? And so... She says, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat from under the table and get some of the scraps. And I'm just looking for some scraps today because, listen to me, this is what she's saying to Jesus. I see the called ones, the ones who are called and are supposed to be believing, they ain't eating it. If something's really good on your plate, do you not lick it all up? I mean, do you not want to get down there when it's really good and just want to Clean it with your tongue? Tell me here, have y'all ever not taken your finger and raked it around the plate to eat that last bite? Raise your hand if you've done that. I want to know I'm in the right house. Okay. When it's good, you eat it all. But she said, look, your kids over there, man, they're getting the greatest thing in the world. She said, I know you're the son of God. I know you're what you're doing. But look, there's crumbs all over the floor. You don't, you, you don't have crumbs when you really love it. But they didn't love it. And so there's a lot of Christians today, they don't want the full gospel. They don't want all the word of God. They don't want everything going on. They don't want everything taken on there. So they start dropping crumbs. And the lady says, I know I'm not even in covenant. I shouldn't even do this, but I see crumbs. And the crumbs are enough to heal my daughter. And then what? Jesus turns to her and says, I have not even seen faith like this in anybody in Israel. And this dog over here, this Gentile, this non-covenanted person, he's got more faith than all of y'all. And that included his old disciples standing right there with him. He said, I've not seen faith like this. Folks, don't you want to have faith like that? Don't you want to be the person who's standing under the blood and says, Jesus, you've, you reconciled me. You've, you, I believe what the scripture says. You reconcile. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to understand how the accounting system works in heaven. I don't even understand how the accounting system works on earth, much less the accounting system of heaven. Then he goes on here and he says, uh, da, 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 da. let me just start over. For it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, things having made peace through the blood of the cross. So the reconciling factor of the whole thing that God did was the blood of Jesus. It was the reconciling factor. Do you see that? And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, to present you holy, blameless and above reproach in his sight. 
How many of y'all want to get a big paper out right now, a big list, or write around and write down all the things you did wrong this week? You say, well, what, 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 what do you mean, Pastor? Oh, well, 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 I don't understand. What, 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 what are you talking about there? Well, it's pretty simple. If you're living by works and you're judging yourself based upon your works for this week, then you're always going to come up short. But if you want to shout of the king in your camp and you want to live according to the scriptures, not according to what you think is right, the scriptures, it says that your only thing that reconciles you is the blood of Jesus. And if you're under the blood because you've asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life and you ask him to come into your life and take his blood and wash your, your sins away, then you're under the blood. So then you have automatically become holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in the sight of God. And he presents you to the Father and says, here's this one. You say, well, I just, just so... I don't know if I can believe that. Well, you're going to suffer. It's going to be rough. But if you want to just give up a life of works and start believing the word and be a word person. See, I'm a word person. Somebody comes up and says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm developing something and I'm going, to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take you down and I'm going to crush you. I'm going to destroy you. I say, hold on a second. Let me check. And I go to the word and I say, well, huh. I don't, I don't think you are. It's not my, well, my word says. My word says I'm born again. I'm washing the blood of Jesus. I'm a son of God. I'm holy, unblameable, unreprovable in sight. And it says no weapon that forms against me is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment is going to be condemned. And Because this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. And this is, uh, this is what I get for being a child of God. And, oh, it says all the word, Isaiah 55, says all the word right here that... that uh, it's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish all that it's been sent out to do. And, and so I, I, I really don't see how you have any merit to what you're saying. That's how I fight. That's how I defeat the devil. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, O strength and my Redeemer. How are the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart going to be acceptable to God unless they're his words coming out of my mouth? You know, years ago, when the church was just first started, we used to get some really crazy things happening around here. <clears throat> you know, the devil was really trying to do it. And after I became pastor, I got, this, I got this letter from a crazy person who was basically saying they were going to kill us, kill me. And uh, inside of it was a fingernail and some hair and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it was sent to me, and I was never happier in my entire life. I got, is this right? Just raise your hand, sweetie, if I'm telling the truth here. I didn't make that up, okay. And I, I never got so happy in my entire life. I read it, and I was like, my God, I have finally made the devil's wanting list, you know? I mean, I'm on his top ten wanted list here. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I got so happy over it that I went home, and I was like, yes, I have finally done something in life enough that they're sending me death threats. Hallelujah. Praise God. I never thought about the person, you know. I was like, man, really, I don't care what you got. I don't believe in curses, and, and I don't care if you are Goliath. I'll <laughs> take care of myself spiritually and physically, okay? 
And so, I, 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 but I remember I got so excited because like, I have finally done something. I have shaken hell enough to where somebody had to send me a death threat. And you know, periodically over the years, they still happen. Don't bother me a bit. I love it. I love if I can stir the devil enough that somebody's going to have to say, we're going to kill you, all right? So my point is this. You have to live a life. If you want to shadow the king in your camp, you have to live a life that's so sold out to him that I only believe the word's true. I don't believe. I believe a 1,000 will fall at my side, 10,000 in my right hand, because that's what the promise says to me. And folks, it's, this, it's really this simple. Are you going to believe the word of God is true or not? It's just that simple. Are you going to believe the word's true or not? Are you truly holy, unblameable, and above reproach? Or are you going to just grovel like a lowly little worm in the dirt, hope that a crumb falls from the, 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 off the table of heaven and maybe you get a little bite? Or are you going to rise up and be who you are as a child of God? Now listen to me. We're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so committed. I always have been. I don't think I've preached any different than I have for the last you know, 29 years. But I'm just telling you, I just am so committed to see people become free. That's why we're so, got, so behind freedom prayer and getting with people and trying to get people because people are believing a lie of the devil. And a lie gets sowed into their heart. They believe the lie more than they believe the truth. And that keeps them bound. It keeps them from being who they are called to be in life. They never accomplish their purpose in life. They never walk in the, 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 the blessings of God because they're being lied to continue because they do not believe they're holy and unblameable above reproach. I believe that I'm the apple of God's eye. You say, well, that's just because you're a preacher. No, it's what the Bible says. And y'all can have that promise too if you want to believe it. I believe I'm the apple of God's eyes. I believe that when I was formed in my mother's womb, he was right there. That's what the word tells me. Why would I believe it? When it it says that God says, and you are my own special people, I say, thank you, Lord. I like being special. That's where my faith is. I'm like the Syrophoenician woman. I'm locked in. I'm not going to give up. All right? But that's why I'm so set on freedom, because I know it's there. I know it's there for you. So I want to build a freedom center out here so everybody can go out there and be free and get free from all the junk. Right? Because you've been lied to. And you're not believing the promises are true. I want to let the word of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be God's promises. And when you do that, then the preparations of your heart become right, and then you can walk in the promises of God. And you'll have a shot of the king in your camp. Amen? Now, I have two more deals, but I'm not going to even touch them today. I'll do them next week. Uh, I'm going to teach you how to be hyper. Some of you say I don't need any help on that. Yeah, buddy. But folks, listen to me. I want to challenge you again. I want to challenge you again. You need to work on the shout of the king in your camp. You need to, in your house, work on the shout of the king in your camp. You need to work on your whoop whoop. That thing on the inside of you that, that is what has to explode out of you because you know what God's doing for you. It comes out of you because you know. Just ask yourself, if you won the winning lotto ticket and all of a sudden you had $100 million, what would you say? Oh, thank you all. Appreciate it. Is this kind? Yeah. Okay. Well, can you 
We need, I need to open up an account. I, they won $100 million, and so can y'all please, you know, do something with this. Somebody says, did you win the lotto? Yeah. Yeah, I won $100 million. Go home to your wife. Well, I got more problems now. Banks that have had too much money in the account. I don't think so. I don't think there'd be a one of you. I think y'all would. Ge- I think some of you old Baptists would start dancing. You've always said you didn't know how. No, we don't dance, but you know how. You know how. You can shake it with the best of them. If bless God, you want a hundred million, but you're trying to be all. You win $100 million, I bet you old Baptist get some dance. Church of Christ be playing all kinds of music. You know it. All the, old, all the old things that ever held you down before are just going to be thrown right out the window. And bless God, you're going to be just a hooping and a hollering and a jumping, acting like a fool. Go into the coffee shop, just... Cash hanging out of you, throwing hundreds everywhere. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You're so excited because you realize you did win the lotto. Because the king of kings is on the inside of you. And the wealth of that well is coming out of you. And you're going to blaze into heaven. And everything in heaven is going to be taking. It's just, whoo man, you just don't even know what to say about it. You just go, oh, my goodness. And that's where you're going. And you got it all taken care of. And everything's been reconciled. And then you're looking at this sniveling little idiot over here trying to curse you and say something like, like a gnat. You know, you know, I know there's no sims, but you know, the normal gnats, normal gnat doesn't really, he, he can't do anything but just irritate you. Am I right? I mean, he's a little bitty old gnat. He just flies around, but he don't bite. He isn't like, oh my God, there's a gnat, run. And that's how I want you to see the devil. Because you're under the blood, and he's flying around like a little gnat. And he can just do some irritating things. But if he gets too close and you get you quick enough, you know, into that one. That's what I want you to see. Because when you get to that place in life, then all of a sudden, man, this dynamic starts to, it's like, the, it's like a, a dynamo gets on the inside of you and gets to rolling because your faith is moving. And, man, it's alive, and the word's alive. And then all of a sudden, everything's changing all around you. Because you've got this thing, you're, man, your faith is moving and moving and moving and moving, and then that's when that shout comes in your account. Amen. Amen? Stand to your feet if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? Listen to me, all of y'all out there watching this broadcast or listening to it, I just want you to know, man, Jesus loves you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never had the blood over your life to, pur- to purge your sins and to, to reconcile your accounts, All you have to do is right wherever you are, cry out to Jesus, truly from your heart. Not some religious prayer, not some something you just, you know, doing. No, it's from your heart. You say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe your blood washes my sins away. It reconciles my accounts with heaven. I believe in you. And right then at that moment, the spirit of God will come upon you. And the Spirit of God will wash your sins away, and you will be made right with God, and you'll know it inside of you. Now, listen to me. I want to say this to you, church. If you've ever prayed a sinner's prayer, and you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, but 
You don't know it down here that you're really right with God. You see, I'm ready right now for heaven to bust open. I'm ready for this roof to fly off. I'm ready for Jesus to come back. And I have not one ounce of doubt that I can stand before him. He may see, Robert, my gosh. <sighs> At least you were excited. <laughs> right? I, I mean, but I may be in trouble for some other things, but I don't care. I know I'm in. I'm in heaven. No matter what happens, I'm in. Why? Because I know it down here. I don't know it because I've done all these good works. I don't know it because I'm a pastor. I don't know it because that doesn't give me any confidence. Pastor in this church is what's going to hurt me. This morning, my wife and I reading our Bible about 6.30 this morning. I'm reading, drinking coffee. She's on the other side of me reading. We're talking back and forth about what we're reading in the Word and going on like this. And I told her, I said, wouldn't it be nice if this is it? No television, no radio. Didn't have to go to church. Didn't have to see nobody. Didn't have to hear about a, some problem, some situation. My God, is this great just sitting here reading the Word and I feel the presence of God here and this is good, but... Yeah, we do. We got to buck it up and go to town here in a minute. <laughs> but in that place, I'm sitting there. I know heaven could bust open the doors. I'm going not because I'm a good person. I'm going because, man, I made the smartest decision back in 1985 to give my heart and life to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm yours. Forgive me of my sins. And boom. So if you're sitting in here and if you're in here doubting or you're, you have any question about your salvation, here's the prayer people right here. Come up here and just pray with them by faith in your heart and get the blood over your life and get that knowing down here in your nor that you're right with God. Amen. Now, listen to me. You've got to practice what I preach. Okay, these scriptures I gave you today, you need to go look at it. You need to go look and examine your heart. You got any skeletons in your closet? Maybe you need to go home, open up some doors. Check them out. See if you've got any giant dust bunnies that have grown to living beings. Go look and see. You got some things in your heart that you need to get right. Then that's what you need to do. You need to make it right. Amen? Now, we'll pray with you about that if you want. But listen to me also. If you're in here today and this revelation has hit you, because this is real important. This is a strong message this morning. No, no glory to me. It's all the Holy Ghost. But this is a strong message this morning. And if you've been wrestling with something and today is kicked off in you the revelation of the, per the word's true and you need to pray with somebody for healing or financials or, or, or visions or lost loved ones or whatever, then get up here and pray. Amen? Now, I want you to take the person's hand beside you because I don't want them to run off yet. And I want to pray over you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray over everybody listening. Lord God, that they would be free today because they'd understand what the blood of Jesus speaks over their life. They would give no place to the devil. That they'd take out the skeletons of their closets. They'd get freedom prayer, whatever they need, Lord God, to get free and loose from the bondage of the enemy that he's ensnagged them and entangled them with the cords of our sin and realize that the blood speaks. And that this day, Lord God, we'd be free. We'd be free from a life of misery and torment. We could be free living under the blood. Free, Lord God, with the blood over our lives. So, Lord, I pray for them today. This revelation is just sinks into their lives and, and, and gets down into their hearts. That, Lord, each and every one of us deal with our hearts and the preparations of our heart. And, Lord, you bring us to that place that we are so right with you under the blood. And so, Lord, I pray for them. Bless them. 
Bless all that they do this week. Let us run across people all over our path, Lord God, that we can witness to. And that people can say, man, you've got a shout. I heard you shout in your house. Say, yes, we've got the shout of the king in our house now. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you need it. Amen.